0: the wind-up. to right! Welcome in to a special edition of the DNVR podcast, particularly Rocky's edition baseball movies. We're talking movies here. It's movie week at DNVR, and we've got another conversation for you on a head-to-head matchup. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. With me is Patrick Lyons, and today we will be discussing a couple of great baseball movie classics from the 90s. I think they're both from the 90s. I'd have to double-check that, I guess. But a league of their own and 61. As we've mentioned, uh, the baseball bracket is just incredibly deep. And this is a tough first-round matchup. I think this is one that shows just how difficult it was to narrow down uh, the baseball movies and and figure out how to get the seating just right. So we're going to go through and talk. I mean, these are two just very different films both based on real life events uh, retelling the stories of some very memorable or maybe some less known parts of baseball history so as we did with the other one let's start with the lower seed patrick and jump in here with 61 asterisks. The asterisks is is an important part of the title of this film.
1: Absolutely, and uh, you probably can put an asterisk next to uh, the fact that it was in the 90s, because it was almost in the 90s. It was 2001, so it's close. Brutal. Technically (laughs) speaking, it could fit, you know. Um, But yes, it stars Barry Pepper as Roger Maris and Thomas Jane as Mickey Mantle on their quest to break Babe Ruth's 1927 single-season home run record of sixty-one during the 1961 season of the New York Yankees. It was, of course, directed by Billy Crystal, huge, one of the biggest Yankee fans uh, out there. And the asterisk, as you said, plays such a, a huge part in it because for anyone that doesn't know the, the history of it, um, the commissioner at the time, Ford Frick, who um, was also you know, a ghostwriter, it was, was a close personal friend of Babe Ruth, ultimately decided, well, you know, if if Roger Maris doesn't break the record in 154 games because that's how many Babe Ruth played, that's how many games were in a season back in uh, in the 20s, then this record wouldn't really count. So uh, the league had just expanded to 162 games, and so that was kind of the, the pressure, not just if he would beat it, but would he beat it in time? And uh, the film, which... May be surprising. I don't know how good your memory is of a film twenty years ago. It was not released in in theaters. This was an HBO film, and it uh, I I couldn't wait for it, it it to come out. And that was uh, you that was you know you, you had to watch it when it came out. And it as it was during the day HBO would play it ad nauseum, and each time it was on, I had to rewatch it.
0: Yeah, you know it's funny you mentioned that. I think. I was such a big Billy Crystal fan, again, in the 90s, and, and he was you a know, big City Slickers guy and, <laughs> and a lot of those movies. And I think I had seen an interview, I believe, now I'm working on a 20-year-old memory here, that this was also his directorial debut.
1: Most likely, yeah.
0: And the reason I, I recall that is because I, I was watching some interview show, and he was talking about making the movie. It wasn't even out yet, so he was doing the promo for it. And so that's why I probably, yeah, did not remember that it didn't have a wide release because I saw it as soon as it came out, because we made a point to, because we like Billy Crystal, we like baseball and we like movies. It seemed like a, a pretty obvious fit and it's a pretty great flick uh, that, that I think gets into, you know, you were starting to get into, get into it there, but a lot of the ethos and and the weird feelings that went into that season and that record and the two teammates chasing after it and the sanctity of the record and the whole idea of putting an asterisk like that's where this idea comes from in sports next to something to denote that it it's not really the record um and and the toll that that takes and I feel like the actor, we were sort of talking about this before we came on here a little bit, but the, the actor Barry Pepper, who plays Roger Maris, uh, it's interesting. I, I think this was probably his finest hour as an actor. He's really a character guy who'd been in a bunch of random things. I, I remember him from a movie called Enemy of the State, starring Will Smith and Gene Hackman. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's also in the Green Mile and the True Grit movie, uh, the the remake Um, but he's just one of those actors who's never really been the leading man star guy. He's usually the FBI agent standing in the background. And I feel like he kills it as Roger Maris in this movie.
1: Yeah. He's the spitting image. It's, you know, obviously you want there to be some resemblance and, you know, you could use prosthetics and all kinds of movie magic to look like Roger Maris. But it's kind of, if I were to, if I were a skilled artist, and uh, someone were to say, you know, draw a, a sketch Roger Maris's face, I go nailed it, got it. And it would be Barry Pepper. Uh, in the same vein, you know, Mickey Mantle. I think he would look a lot more like Mickey Mantle than Thomas Jane. But I think you would still see some of Thomas Jane. You know, he had had the same kind of body composition uh, as the Mick. Uh, you know, that kind of dirty blonde hairdo and. Um, it, they
0: nailed the hair. Yeah, they did.
1: They they absolutely did. And and you know the one thing that you mentioned is like the stress uh, that Maris had to go through with his hair falling out. And I'll never forget that. I kind of it made me th- it made me think about Cal Ripken at the time. You know, obviously this he had already broken the record. You know, a good um, seven or eight years prior to that. But I, I, I thought about all the the stress of having to go out every day and being injured and and this record from this. Yankee legend, you know, for Ripken, he was he was chasing the Iron Horse and Lou Gehrig, and for Maris, he was chasing the Great Bambino and Babe Ruth, and you know, both those guys, you know, suffered a lot of stress because of that. And I think Crystal did an amazing job showing um, that the other side of the game uh, in that aspect.
0: Right. It's funny because one of our questions we're asking in each one of these pods is, do any of the characters remind you of an athlete in real life? I think these are two of the best depictions. From everything I've read, and Mickey Mantle is my mom's favorite baseball player. And so I've you know had a bit of history on Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris and this season and the different personalities between the two guys. And I think this is one of the best depictions of real life athletes in drama uh, that I've ever seen. Obviously, we didn't know Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle, but I, I feel like through this movie, we kind of do a little bit.
1: Yeah, they they get, you know, into a lot of the personal stuff and you see, you know, the darker side of the game as far as, you know, womanizing and and drinking, you know, and and the partying which is much uh less of an aspect in the game now because of the of the physical demands of the game. Yes, baseball. Yeah. Baseball is the same, but now uh with you know, players making such, you know, astronomical incomes, you know, there's lot more of a, of a magnifying lens put up to them. They're, they're not as close to the media as they were back during the, the 50s and 60s and all, 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 all the decades before then. And you could get away with it because you could just pop these little green pills that made you feel really good the next day, even if you had a hangover. Uh, for those that, that uh, aren't familiar what these greenies are, I, I recommend you checking out a, a book by a, a Yankee a player by the name of Jim Bouton, Ball Four. It's it's one of the greatest, uh, you know, pieces of, of sports nonfiction ever written. And uh, it, it goes into what that was like being a, a teammate of Mickey Mantle's. And, you know, he said late in his career, you know, he said, if I, if I knew now, if I known I was going to live this long, I would have taken much better care of myself. And, you know, yeah, um... his, his dad, Mutt Mantle, uh, died at a young age, uh, named his son after his favorite ball player, Mickey Cochran. And, um, you know, the Mick just, just lived a, a hard life and, you know, played, played 100%. You know, you, you saw him run around the bases with that trademark limp that he had suffered in spring training one year when Joe DiMaggio called him off uh, a little too late, stepped in a, a little uh, a drain grate there and, um, you know, kind of altered his career a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he still is an all-time great, as, uh, as your mom correctly has identified, of course.
0: Yeah, watching him just destroy his body uh, in that movie is is brutal, but I, I think very realistic. Or certainly in a drama, we know it's dramatized, but a lot about Mickey Mantle was pretty dramatic, and yeah. so I don't think they had to reach. You know, they didn't have to go and create extra movie drama nonsense like a lot of movies do. They basically let the real drama of their personal lives and mickey's body falling apart carry the weight and then and then the race for the home runs my favorite line of the movie uh is a recurring one uh when they come back after hitting home runs of course that you know that's sort of the big thing they're chasing with the home runs and they're one or the other will hit one and it'll come back and the other guy will ask him so what was the pitch and the guy will say well it was a slider but didn't really slide though And then, you know, sort of middle of the movie, guy hits a big home run. He comes back, asks the other guy, so what was the pitch? He says, it was a curveball. Didn't really curve, though. And both of those are played for laughs and for fun, and they're doing the thing. And then the final one, again, we're spoiling these movies. So go watch it. Come back if you don't want it spoiled. When he finally breaks the record, does Roger Maris, but with the asterisks because he wasn't able to do it in time, which just adds to the heartbreak and drama. He comes back and Mick says, okay, so what was the pitch? And instead of laughing and smiling, them having a great time, he just kind of looks down at his feet and he goes, it's fastball. guess it just wasn't quite fast enough. And it's, Oh, it's so beautifully written and uh, executed and, sort of triumphant and heartbreaking at the same time, which I think matches the story of both Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris.
1: Yeah. And there is that, you know, comedy aspect in it that, you know, partially what makes Bull Durham so great. Uh, Make sure you listen to to that episode where we go through the two Costner films, but (laughs) the comedy uh, is, is provided by the teammates. And like you said, the camaraderie, and of course Yogi Berra being on the team and 90% of the game is half mental. And uh, yeah. all the all these different comments he has about you know Mantle being a switch hitter and um, that that was always good seeing seeing a young Phil Rizzuto you know for me growing up these guys they were at Old Timers Day and and they were just larger than life so to kind of turn back the clock uh, for them to be young again uh, I think you know if if you grew up knowing those players or just you know don't even necessarily have to be a Yankee fan but just loving the game and seeing these guys. Young again is amazing, and I think that probably made Billy Crystal feel young again. And he even, you know, went so far as to make Yankee Stadium look young again. You know, the original Yankee Stadium, um, you know, wasn't taken down um, until after the 2008 season, and when this was filmed around 2000, instead of you know filming at Yankee Stadium, they actually went and filmed at Tiger Stadium. Which at that point I believe was on its way out, uh, because Tiger Stadium still kind of had that yeah. um, the the facade and, and similar to what Yankee Stadium looked like. Because, you know, some some would say, hey, there's been two Yankee Stadiums: the old Yankee Stadium and the current one that came about in 2009. But others will say there's actually three. There's there's the one before the major renovation that took place in the 70s. You know, the one that. Maris and Mantle, and of course, Gehrig and Ruth had played. Uh, And then, you know, the next 30 years after that major renovation in the 70s that forced the Yankees to play over at at Shea Stadium where the Mets played, um, that was, you know, a a completely different era too of the stadium. So I think Crystal um, painstakingly went back to really, you know, try to, you know, reinvigorate what Yankee Stadium looked like back then. And, And Tiger Stadium did a Uh, did a good job as the stand-in
0: for that. For sure. I mean, man, as you go through all that stuff, I'm just going, how is this a 10 seed? And I look at the rest (laughs) of the bracket, and I go, maybe I could have. It's such a good... So one of the questions is, you know, what's the worst part, or what's the worst line in the movie? I can't think of anything specifically in this movie that... I think it's bad or that I I don't like, I would say maybe it doesn't carry quite the weight of some of the other movies on the list, but that's, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. I I guess the final question to you on this, you know, is there any element of it that you're not sure of, or have have I, have we done a grave disservice to this movie by putting it as a 10 seed? Are there really nine baseball movies better than 61 asterix? Because, it's really good.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think so. I mean, this is the, the toughest bracket to, to do the seeding. And I, I think there were probably 16 films. Folks are going to be reaching out to us on Twitter saying, oh, this should have gotten in at least as a 10 seed. And he didn't even have it in the top 16. So, you know, I, I think that's that's relatively fair. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think the film stands up, no doubt about it. So it's a great film. But it might not be as relevant uh you know as it was in 2001 because of everything that we now know about home runs whether it be from sign stealing whether it be from juice baseballs whether it be from guys that are hall of famers that decided they were going to go use performance enhancing drugs to break Hank Aaron's record to that that chase in 1998 yeah. so all of that has totally been clouded and you know the People know the importance of having three thousand hits and three hundred wins for a pitcher, and you know there was a time where I could name you know the top five and the top ten home run leaders um, and tell you how many home runs they hit. And now it's it's just gotten a little a little bit cloudier because of you know um, invisible yeah, asterisks. Aren't
0: there, aren't there even scenes with the Mark McGuire eventually breaking? I'm trying to remember.
1: Well, um, when when. um you know, Maguire late in the season, you know, the Maris family actually came and they were there at right. the old Bush Stadium. So I'm I'm thinking that right. there could be, you know, some tie to that. And and I'm sure that that could have been part of the genesis for Billy Crystal stepping up and saying, you know, somebody really needs to recognize the greatness and uh, of Roger Maris of his career because he's this might be a surprise to some people. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Yes, his number is retired by the Yankees, as are, yeah. you know, 72 yeah. other numbers
0: but um
1: he's he's not in the hall of fame and and i'm sure to a degree um crystal probably hoped that this film was not only gonna you know show the importance of that 61 season or or how great maris was or the trials and tribulations that he had to go through to break this record but just his overall greatness in general and to possibly maybe push him across the, the the finishing line and get him in the hall of fame but here we are you know 19 years later and uh you know, Roger Maris really hasn't even gotten a sniff at the Hall of Fame. He does have two back-to-back MVP yeah. campaigns. He's he's one of only a, you know, twelve or so guys who've ever done that. And uh, but again, yet he's uh, he's not in the Hall of Fame.
0: But we got to move on, unfortunately, and uh, we really could talk about most of these movies for so much longer. But we gotta gotta try to keep it tight here because there's a whole lot of movie talk on DNVR this week. We're moving over to a league of their own. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you
1: crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. Rogers
0: Hornsby was my manager.
1: And he called me a talking pile of pig shit. And that was when my
0: parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No, no. No! No! And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! Classic. Uh, everybody knows this movie, whether they're super familiar with it or not. But, Pat,
1: why don't you remind us real quick? Absolutely. Uh, this may be my favorite film of all time, and I'm not entirely sure why. Um, but, you know, League of Their Own tells, <laughs> tells a fictionalized account of their real-life all-American girls' professional baseball league. It was directed by Penny Marshall who recently passed away, and it stars Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, and Lori Petty. It is phenomenal. I believe I saw this in theaters twice when I was a kid, and there was just something about the story that is amazing. It, it's the game of baseball, bottom line, and it, it doesn't really matter who's playing the game. Yes, of course, yeah. you know, hundred um, percent, 100%, 100% of the baseball that we see on television is played by men. Right. We um, right. softball is 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 the sport you know prescribed to um, young girls and, and, and women and um, at the high school and college level. And, um, you know, of course, that's that's something that's uh, trying to be, be changed a, a little bit. But it, it ultimately, it doesn't matter. You know, this was just an amazing story. And you learn so much about part of baseball's history that at the time I knew nothing about. Um, it celebrated the great athletes. It had you know uh, such great scope and, and pulled all of these different real life stories and and dramatized it. And you can just see the love that Penny Marshall has for the game of baseball and what she did in this film. And you know, I, I think uh, there's gonna be other people out there that this might be their favorite baseball movie of all time. and it's it's probably the one that if if you had to, you know, Share the game of baseball with someone, maybe from another country or from another planet, and you say, "Oh man, I got to show them a baseball movie." You might actually show them *A League of Their Own*.
0: I'm not sure I could disagree with that. I, I love that this. Is one of your favorite movies of all time. Uh, it's one of mine as well. Definitely a personal favorite. There's so much of it, like you said, that just captures. The game of baseball and reasons why anyone would love it. And I think that's why, and I'm going to jump all around these here because we've got to get through them a little more quickly. But uh, Kit is my favorite character <laughs> in the movie uh, because she's just the scrappy, won't give up, knows she's not quite as good as Dottie, as the as the Gina Davis character, not as whatever, all the things. Cause there's still, you throw on top of all the baseball stuff, all of the ridiculous pressures that society puts on women. And it was even more back then. So they've got to have their makeup and their dresses and all of these other things. and, And Kit just wants to pitch. She's just a pitcher before anything else. She's that. And I just love every little determined look on her face. I always think of that actor too. Uh, she was the handler in Free Willy. <laughs> I always think of her from that, and I don't and this, and I don't know anything else that she's been in. Uh, but Tank Girl, you don't know. I you don't Kit know Tank Girl on my team. <laughs> oh, how did I forget Tank Girl? That's a terrible omission on my part. I'm sorry, comic book fans. I promise it just <laughs> slipped my mind.
1: Yeah, there. It's uh, that's interesting that that she's your favorite character because. She doesn't actually resonate with me too much, believe it or not. Um, Interesting. It's all the other characters that it's it's amazing. You know, there's there's just so much history in the film, and again, it's it's a fictionalized portrayal of the All American Girls Baseball League. But uh, there's you know characters representing other people, and Jimmy Dugan representing Jimmy Fox, and um, you know uh, Philip you know Wrigley. Uh, actually I can't remember what what was the the name of Gary Marshall, Penny Marshall's brother. He was the owner of the league and um but it it's oh yeah. It's it's just amazing and and you know the the quotes are just just never ending. Like if you if you take the, all the the top baseball quotes of all time, you know, there's going to be a handful in there just from this movie. Obviously, there's no crying in baseball, which of course. You know, I mean uh, if, if there was some kind of algorithm on, on Twitter to see, you know, what gets hashtagged or what gets said the most, you know, almost every day someone says there's no crying in baseball. You got to believe, you know, even during the off season because it's just so um, it's so true. There, there is crying in baseball, certainly uh, not the kind that we saw in that film during that scene, but uh, uh, it's it's just amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, even the the end of that little speech, the thing he says to the umpire. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I can totally repeat it on the pod. I probably could, but go and watch the speech. <laughs> His <laughs> the physical description he gives of the umpire. Um, it's probably the meanest Tom Hanks has ever been in a movie. Too, I, f- I always forget because he's Tom Hanks and he's li- and he still does have his moments. But you're like, man, he is a crotchety old man in this movie.
1: Yeah, this was kind of right at the right in in that sweet spot where every single film that he was in, it was just you know uh, an absolute can't miss. You know, Philadelphia it's was was shit, the first yeah. one that. Um, yeah. You know, of course, uh, it got him the, the Academy Award. Uh, that, that came out right after A League of Their Own, uh, which was 92. Philadelphia was 93. Forrest Gump, 94. Apollo 13, 95. He does the voice of Woody yeah. in Toy Story. Just, and it's yeah. just like at that yeah. point. And so I think that, like you said, he was mean. I think that was kind of him also making the transition into more of a serious actor because, you know, he was in mostly comedies you know big of course is a comedy but there's this heartwarming side to it of course bonfire of the vanities um was a film where he was a little bit more serious but for the most part he was just a kind of a comedic actor and he kind of you know he bridged that gap with you know as jimmy dugan um and then sleepless in seattle of course um came right after that but you know he was (laughs) he was just just fantastic in that film and the relationship that he has uh with Dottie hinson and it's a. I think maybe as a kid, I thought, "Oh, is there something romantic going on between them?" Um, just as a kid, but then as you get older and you watch, they play. They their acting is so on point that now, when you go back and watch it, you you almost want to look for it. Like, oh, there's got to be something romantic happening between this man and this woman. And when you watch it back, not a trace. At no point yeah. do you believe. Tom Hanks is anywhere, you know, emotionally uh, interested or, or, or physically attracted to any of his players. And Gina Davis' husband, uh, Bill Pullman, is off in war, and she's she's in love with him. And at no point do you even question it. It's just just amazing acting in this film.
0: Yeah, and and there it's there's a, a professional respect that yes, grows professional and grows there, and it's a unique relationship, and it's so. Extraordinarily well done. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we talk about grading the acting. It's one of the best acted films uh, in the entire bracket. And, you know, you know, the the cast up and down is really incredible. Even, you know, people who weren't always known for being actors like Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell are really good in the movie. Whatever you may think of their careers outside of it, they're really, really good in this movie, uh, obviously. Gina Davis and Tom Hanks carry the show. Um, is there an element now? I'm going to put you on the spot. You already told us one of your favorites. Is there a least favorite? A least believable? Is there something you watch it and you bump on? And go. Maybe could have done that a little better.
1: Well, you know, John Lovitz as a scout is both hilarious <laughs> but also infuriating because he's just so hard and there's no give. Um, and so it, I feel like maybe in a, in a different world, that would really annoy me. And I'd be like, I hate this guy, but he's he's okay because it, he comes around. He comes around in the end and uh, and he just has all these great lines. So that would be my least favorite thing. And, and even still, nope, I'm okay with it. Everything was just on point. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I
0: would kind of go back to what I said a little bit about 61. I don't know that there's anything flawed or really wrong with the movie, other than there's always stuff that's, you know, flawed about movies, because they're never perfect. That's but that's not even the point. Um it, it's more that, you know, I, I just feel like there are a few other baseball movies that are a bit more impactful or or, or whatever, even a bit more classic. But I could see this one going a long way like it really is extraordinary there there's it's got a a strong message at its core and that's probably why i seeded it a little bit higher we talked about maybe the the ultimate message the themes in 61 not about like bettering yourself but like the actual like just hitting a bunch of home runs where this is you know much more about overcoming all of these societal nonsense and all of these ridiculous expectations and just being able to form a team and accomplish a goal. And I think it's themes therefore are a bit more timeless and a bit more universal. Um, I don't know that it's as expertly written and directed as some of the other things above it. That's pretty much all I can come up with.
1: Yeah, I know that's, that's a great point talking about, um, you know, the, the societal impacts, uh, at that time that were going on uh, for women to overcome. And and it actually reminds me of a scene where uh, there's a foul ball and it's hit down like the right field line. And there's a black woman there who's dressed up and who came to the game as a fan. And she picks the ball up and, you know, the first baseman's like, okay, throw it to me. And then she fires it all the way in, into the infield. And you you go, wow, okay, well, you're telling the story of – this, this girls' league, but you're also reminding folks that it was only white girls, white women, that were able to play this game, not african American. So, you know, it, it really just touched on on the history of the game in, in such a beautiful way. And there's so many Easter eggs where if, if the this does go deep and have a deep run, that I'll, I'll have, uh, if, if I'm a part of those shows, a lot more. The, the one I do want to mention is you know, the the film starts and ends with these um, older women mm-hmm. getting together in a reunion. And uh, the field that they play on is Doubleday Field, which is in Cooperstown. So those of you that come out um, in, in late July to, to see Larry Walker's induction um you're gonna you're gonna recognize that feel it'll be open to the public you should be able to just kind of go in look around and, and think oh shoot wow this is this is where they they filmed uh you know a uh, really important scene in a league of their own
0: i don't think there's any better place to end it than that hopefully we'll have more chances to talk about all these movies make sure that you're subscribing the denver sports podcast feed all the other stuff we're going to be doing a bunch of these podcasts for a bunch of different movies if you're into some in the other sports they're going to be doing theirs as well so be on the lookout for all of that make sure you're following everyone on social media for patrick lyons i'm drew creesman thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time